Hey, this is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you are listening to the EA Podcast with Eric Allen. Take it away, EA. Thanks, Fitz. Well, the Mad Backer is here in studio, Bart Scott. How are you today, sir? I'm good. Can I say thanks, Fitz, too? Thanks, Fitz. Yeah, of course course you can. Thanks, Fitz, for a great performance last week. Let's get it done. AFC Offensive Player of the Week, Bart. See, now you can't shave the beard because now it's lucky. Have you – how many honors did you get from the league as far as – AFL, uh, AFC Defensive Player of the Week. You know, you know, did you ever get one? I'm sure. Me? I'm yeah. sure I did. I just never. I don't. I don't track stuff like that. I, that stuff never. Like I never cared about stuff like that. All right. So the Jets this week going to Kansas City. How much will the environment in Buffalo that they faced on Thursday Night Football help them in Week Three? Because guys to a man mm-hmm. like Brandon Marshall, Nick Mangold. I was talking to Brian Winters about it. They said it was one of the loudest environments they've ever been in. Well, they're arguably going to the loudest stadium in the in the NFL. Um, Arrowhead, talk about an outdoor stadium that has indoor stadium noise. I think they, they, they track this. That's the loudest stadium in the NFL. You know, a lot of people give credit to, to Seattle. Arrowhead is the loudest place to play in the NFL. Did you like playing in there as a visitor? It was crazy. It was, you know, it was unique because they still have a band. They have a live band playing under there. And um, you know they they get they get excited about about their sports. That that is a tremendous. It's almost like a, a college atmosphere. And I know we said that about Buffalo, but you know this is a larger stadium as well. And the construction of it, it seems like they're right on top of you. I'm jealous of you guys though because you got a chance to play on the field. I'm yeah. in the press box, which is a separate structure, man. <laughs> and that's the closest. That's the old, yeah, that's the old structure. That's the closest to heaven I'll ever be. It's way up there in the sky. <laughs> that structure, man. Well, you, you shouldn't mix it, miss anything. I tell you what, the night before, what you want to do, you want to go down there. You want to find you a night. Nice dry rub, barbecue spot. You want to enjoy yourself. Make sure you don't eat too much because it's instant nap after you eat some of that good barbecue. You got any spots in Kansas City that you, you can know what? I, can't, I just left there because I did a financial literacy program for the University of Kansas, um, but I can't remember the name of the place. It's a lot of places. You can go to so many holes in the walls there. Man, it don't matter. What's your favorite Kansas City barbecue, though? What do you order? It's weird, man. I like the dry rub. I like the. Um, I like the. Uh, the pork shoulder, the pork tips, you know, they it's like, man, they slow roast that stuff, man. They 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 smoke that stuff for like seem like days. You know, most people they go in, they smoking in the restaurant, they're smoking it inside of a a, a, a machine, a smoker that looks like a grill, but it's not really no, a grill. They, they got yeah. these outside. They got these outside. The old barrel drum. Somebody cut a canister open in half, put two hinges on the back, and they smoked that thing for about 14 hours. I'm ready for those. Okay, Saturday night, I'm definitely going to get some barbecue, and I'll tell you about it next week. You've faced Andy Reid offenses before, Andy Reid-led offenses before. What do the Jets have in store for them this week? Well, they're going to have to be physical. They're going to have to find a way to, to match up with Travis Kelsey. He's a matchup nightmare. And this will be the first time where the heavy lifting is going to be on the safeties in the passing game. You know, before we were talking about all these receivers and outside threats, you know, A.J. Green. Um, last week we were, talk- we were talking about uh, Sammy Watkins. This week we are talking about Travis Kelsey. And they do a great job in moving him around. So it's tough because they'll be able to identify whether it's man or zone because they send him in motion. And if somebody goes with him, then they know it's man-to-man. And Alex Smith is going to look for him. You know, he's one of these guys that are able to take a short pass and, and, and go long distances. He's an athletic tight end. He doesn't want to get involved in the in the, in the the uh, run game, you know, unless he's matched up against a, a – 
a safety, he'll 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 block in space out there, but he doesn't want to come to the box and have anything to deal with any DNs or outside linebackers. So do you think the Jets inevitably gonna be in situations where they'll be doubling him, or you you play more zone? I would bracket him. Yeah. I would bracket him. But you know what? You know you you can't sleep on Macklin, man. He's sneaky fast, and he's he he's a big play receiver, and so you you're gonna have to switch up your 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 matchups. Um, you're gonna have to make sure that you you know disguise your coverages and mix them up. You can't get into a rhythm. Andy Reid is a West Coast, traditionally a West Coast offense, meaning that a lot of horizontal things, a lot of routes come into Alex Smith's face. But what happens is you're going to have to make them one-dimensional because uh, Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware has filled in, you know, great for um, Jamal, Jamal Charles. Charles. He might you know. be back this week. Yeah, so, you know, that's a three-headed monster. So if they want to take the air out of the game, the, 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 you know, the air out of the time out of game and time possession and slow the game down and limit the possessions, they may get a heavy dose of the three-headed monster. Uh, you mentioned time of possession. How much do you put into a stat like that? Because I believe the Jets so far early in the season are averaging 37 yeah. minutes or so with yeah. the ball. Well, time, time of possession is important because it, it freshens your defense up. But also what's important is you've got to have time of possession and you have to get touchdowns, not field goals. Because you can have time of possession, had a ball for eight minutes, and kick a field goal. Somebody come down and score a play. Like last week, you know, they had with the long, with the long play. Um, to Marquise Goodwin. To Marquise Goodwin. Good win, yep. You know, that can nullify a long drive that didn't end, you know, with a touchdown hitting pay dirt. You talked about Kelsey. You talked about Macklin. The Jets so far, uh, Todd Bowles has talked about it. He thinks there's been miscommunications in the secondary and a couple coverage busts. A lot of folks at home are concerned right now and say, hey, the secondary has given up five plays of 40-plus yards in two weeks. How will this change? Well, until, until you fix it, it's going to continue to happen, and teams are going to continue to design routes to make you have to communicate post-snap, you know, which, is, which is hard because you, know, you have to be on the same wavelength, and you have to discuss this stuff during the week, and you have to be put in the, the worst-case scenario to be able to communicate on the fly. And what's important is nonverbal communication hand flashes because you're not going to be able to hear everything. But you know, a lot of times teams are putting guys in, in, in cut splits, meaning that all four of the, the secondary halves communicate and not just one half. Usually when teams are spread out, you know, it's a safety talking to a corner. But when they go and cut splits and they're crossing people, which, you know, Alex Smith in the horizontal passing game of the Kansas City Chiefs like to do, you're going to have to discuss these routes during the week, and you're going to have to discuss these routes as you see the game plan as it develops in front of your eyes. You're going to have to be able to make in-game adjustments. How much uh, do they challenge you or put stress on you by what they do pre-snap? Because I know Cincinnati was one of those teams where mm -hmm. the guys said, hey, oh, listen, huge. they oh. throw a lot of different yeah. stuff at you. How yeah. about Andy Reid? Yeah, Andy, Andy Reid, he, he, he'll shift, change formation. He'll shift, he'll motion. Um, you know, he, he, he has a lot of familiarity you know, with these type of defenses, you know, aggressive defenses, you're going to get a lot of quick screens. Remember when he was in Philadelphia, you got a lot of screens because they know that they can't block, you know, this front of the Jets man on man. So instead of leaving a running back in, they're going to release him and force, you know, somebody to make a tackle in space. With that being said, Darren Lee, uh, rookie linebackers, getting his feet wet in the National Football League, tied for the team lead with 12 tackles. He got in on that fourth down stop of Shady McCoy. Uh, on that tackle with uh, Sheldon Richardson, mm -hmm. have you liked what you've seen so far in limited action? Yeah, right now he's playing. He's playing with instincts. They're putting him in, in situations where he can flourish. 
you know, you don't want to put too much on a young player's plate. You want to develop him so when you get to the playoffs, you know, you get down later in the year, now you he has more experience because he's going to have his ups and downs. He's going to have bad eyes on certain things. And the reason veterans are veterans is not because they don't make mistakes. It's because they've made every mistake and they've learned from them. And, you know, he's had success here, and it's just important for him to remain humble, make sure that he continues to work, make sure that he leans on the guys in that room so that he can – you know, learn from other people's mistakes so he doesn't have to make as many mistakes on the field. Let's make those mistakes in practice. Let's make those mistakes in warm-ups, and let's get them corrected. What does this mean to you when Todd Bowles says he has to learn to pull the trigger quicker, where right now mentally he's making mm -hmm. some mistakes. Physically, he said he's uh, giving fine effort, and he's playing fast. Mm -hmm. uh, not playing fast, but playing with speed and athleticism, yeah. where maybe – He's early in his career right now, yeah, and you can see it as a coach. He's playing it. He's playing on instincts, and right now he's not. The game hasn't slowed down for him yet, and sometimes it takes years for the game to slow down for players. And sometimes you know you want you see something, you pull the trigger, but you got to understand the concept that we're teaching. If you're backside, you have to stay backside. You have to stay patient. You have to show patience, and that's that's tough because you want to go 100 miles an hour. But just like we talked about Matt Forte having patience to the hole, speed through it. When you see it, you pull the trigger, and it has to be instant. But you have to make sure that you're patient until it's time to pull the trigger. You know, it's just like young running backs that's fast, and you see them running up the backs of their offensive linemen, and they're not letting the play develop. Well, on the same side as a linebacker, the play has to develop, and it has to define themselves. If you just take off and somebody cuts back, they're reading you as well. Just like we talked about Matt Forte, you know, setting up that block, setting up that linebacker. He's seen him there, and he pressed the hole to make him step up. And when he stepped up, he cut back. Well, a lot of the running backs are going to do the same thing to him. They're reading him. He's their key. He's their indicator. And what happens is he has to understand, the, the defense understand where they're weak and where they're strong and where he can pull the trigger because he's covered up and where he can take chances when he can't take calculated chances. You love the matchup on the other side of the ball. You've been talking about it with me since last week. Center Nick Mangold for the Jets against Don Tyree Pope. Yeah, uh, well, what, what? It's like sumo wrestling right what, here, man. What makes this guy stand out to you? Well, first oh. of all, he ran like a 4-5 coming out. He's very athletic. He's short, just like, well, Mango's not short, but, you know, they're both about the same height. You know, they're both about the same size. You know, Poe's probably a little heavier. I think he's like 340. He has a lot of wiggle. You talk about a guy a couple years ago that had 10 sacks from the nose guard position. But then you're talking about, you know, arguably, I believe right now, a borderline Hall of Fame player in Nick Mango, you know, who just, he has a knack for being able to neutralize to other teams, you know, good nose guard or great nose guard because of his hand placement, his, 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 his football acumen, his ability to anchor, and his ability to outsmart the opponent. You know, he's just smart, man. Like, you know, I just enjoy the matchup between him and Chris Jenkins because it was like two bulls, you know, going after each other, and Mango won his fair share, you know, you know, because he was able to position himself and outquick quick, um, Jenkins in certain instances. But I watched him do it against Haloti. You know, he's just one of those guys that, you know, you can always count on him doing his job at a high level. Now, Andy Reid said Pope last week um, – had one of his best games in years in Houston. So he should be coming into this game with some confidence. The Jets catch a break here. Justin Houston is still that, out. That's a, that's He's a one, huge break. one of the top pass rushers in the National right. Football League. 
but Tamba Ali, still a solid player on well, the outside well, as well. When you think about Tamba Ali, I want you to think about where DeMarcus were in his career. Now, his better days are behind him, but you know him at 80% of what he used to be is still better than what most guys do. You know, his, his, his career numbers against the run, you know, he's, he's great against the run, and he's great, he has a knack for winning. And this would be you know, um, a tremendous matchup because Clady and, and Ali know each other very well for the matchups in the AFC West. You know, so this should be exciting to see that these guys pair up because what happens is when you know somebody, you know their tendencies, you know, it's all about who can make the best counters. But on the other side, they got D Ford, who, who was the number one draft pick from Auburn, you know, years ago, and he's starting to mature and come into his own. He's playing fast as well. You know, so it's going to be a, a evenly matched matchup. It's going to be who's able to make, you know, the, the better plays, the, the more efficient plays in, in the um in the game. You played for Bob Sutton. Is this more of a traditional 3-4? Because we just talked about Pope, he's that nose tackle mm. in there. Or Bob, Bob is aggressive. Yeah, I think a little bit of Rex rubbed off on Bob. Before, he was more of the 3-4 of the New England Patriots, where it was more read and react, more gap control. But I think Rex showed him that it was another way to do it. And um, he's very active. You know, these guys move all over the place. You know, they blitz. You know, but they also have, you know, a great matchup. Anunwa could be matched up with um, Barry or he could be matched up with, uh, uh, with Ron Parker, who's a former corner who plays safety for them that does a lot of the pass coverage. And when they go into their, um, when they go into their um, dying package, Barry actually drops in the, in, into the box and play the position that I used to play. Where do you anticipate uh, Marcus Peters playing? So will they move him around? Will they try to match him with one Bart, or, or, or will it? Well, he, he's a physical guy. You know, you talk about a guy last year that had you know led the league in interceptions. And he two last week against Houston. Yeah, he gave a, up some plays, but he'll, he's yeah, a playmaker. Yeah, he's a playmaker, Johnny on the spot. And he knows when he gets the ball in his hands. You know, he can do damage. He he, he takes the ball to pay dirt. Um, he's a physical guy, so I don't think that you know it would be the same as it was last week against Darby and Gilmore because he's a he's a bigger kid. You know what I mean? So he can put heavy hands on, and he won't be as easy to move and push off against, you know, in a passing game. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to make sure that, you know, they're able to attack him as well because he does give up big plays. And, you know, you got two of the most craftiest veterans in the game in, in, in Marshall and Decker, and they'll find a way. You know, if, if he's getting heavy hands on and he's matching up, then watch them to move his man into the slot so that they can get a clean release. How concerned were you? For Brandon Marshall, when you see him go down against the Buffalo Bills, and uh, uh, I don't think it was a dirty play. Gilmore oh, well. was just trying to reach out and try to make a tackle, brought him down. Yeah, but, well, he's getting punched in the face. But <laughs> Jets Nation held its collective breath when they see number well, 15 exit to yeah. the tunnel. Well, well, I don't. I, I never get concerned when I see a guy get twisted up, but it's a contact issue because you rarely tear your ACL by being contacted. Usually when you tear your ACL, it's, it's a non-contact you know, issue. When you see somebody walk off the field and nobody touched them, you know, it's one, either Achilles or the ACL. You, you get nervous. When you see those type of things, like Brandon Marsh, you worry about the meniscus or the MCL. So once I saw that he was able to get up and he walked off and he went to the back, I knew that he would be fine. It was just you know, a matter of time. If he didn't come back for that game, I knew he wasn't done for the year. You were always a guy who, uh was fun in the locker room when you decided to give the media the juice, per se. Yeah, and, and, fruit. and Brandon is a guy who, uh, you know, he's eloquent. He's an eloquent speaker. Yeah. He's a very thoughtful, yep. introspective. This week he was kind of fun, though. He said that uh, uh, 
I got to watch out for myself because I, Quincy is sneaking up. You never know when a guy's going to take your spot. As far as, hey, listen, if I, yeah. mi- I miss a game yeah. here, right. <laughs> you never know if I'll be back. Exactly. Well, well, I think that's a, a compliment to the work that Anunua has put in. You know, I think, you know, he's one of his biggest cheerleaders saying that, you know, he – you know, has made the biggest leap from one, you know, from one year to the next. And the fact that I think that Brandon Marshall, a larger, more physical receiver, he can he can watch and mimic his preparation and how he runs routes, and he can pick his ear. You know, I think as a as a veteran leader and a, an elite player, it's your responsibility to make other players around you better. That's always a sign of a great leader of a great player and I think he's raised his level and I, you, I think you have to give some credit to Decker as well because he's performed at a high level and he's a larger receiver you know you think the Jets when you think about the Jets you think about the largest receiving core in the game before people were thinking about Anunua as a tight end you know and Chan has had this before when he had um, Reggie Nelson David and, Nelson yep. yeah David Nelson I'm sorry in, in Buffalo but he didn't have the physical tools the pure brute force and mass that Anua has. And he's going to be a matchup problem going against, you know, Nichols in the slot if they decide to go that way or if they're matching up with him with, with their third corner because he's a big person. So, like, he can just box and shield these guys out. And right now with Fitzpatrick and his ability to throw the back shoulder fade, you can't be right. What stands out to you about the league so far through two weeks? Well, you know what? I, I've been surprised that, you know, the – Kicking game hasn't, you know, usually the, the kicking game rears its ugly head as far as block punts and things like that. Or, or long season. returns. Or right, long returns. That really hasn't been the, um, you know, the case so far. Um, but right now, I think, you know, the, the cream hasn't rise to the top. You know, everybody hasn't settled in. I think it's going to be some teams that kind of come back to earth. I think this week when Philadelphia goes back, they love Wentz. He's going into Pittsburgh. I think they're going to get a real sense of really who he is. Because let's be face he's faced the JV the first two weeks. If you were a rookie quarterback coming to the league, you would love to go against these two teams. You would love to go against Cleveland. You would love to go against, you know, the, the up-and-down Jay Cutler, you know, Chicago Bears. And, you know, I, you know, two defenses that pretty much play traditional coverages, traditional defenses, and not really have the personnel to really, you know, put pressure on the offense. You just mentioned once there's a lot of rookie quarterbacks playing right now. you, you got Dak Prescott in Dallas, who I think is handling himself uh, pretty well. All these guys, you know, it's funny because him and Brousette, you know, are, you know, I do a financial literacy program with Morgan Stanley. So I've worked with these guys, and, and they've heard my spill for like the last three, you know, you know two times. You know what I mean? Uh, when well, I wasn't allowed to go to New England, but when the program went to New England, uh, Brousette was a, you know, he's he's a he's a lively guy, man. He loves what he's doing. He's happy about it, and um, he's getting a tremendous opportunity to learn behind three guys. And you know, that's what I'm saying. You never know. You know, you never know. You know when that backup's going to be called or when your number's going to be called early. You, and I believe Dak Prescott is really setting himself up to make the Cowboys have to have a very tough de- decision in, one, in the next one or two years as, you know, he continues to get experience, but Tony Romo comes back and he continues to get injured. You're talking about $100 million that you can take off the books and you can go apply that to other players and don't have to pay your quarterback. That's kind of been the recipe. You think about the success that the San Francisco 49ers had with Kaepernick because they didn't have to pay him. The they were able to go out and get the Seahawks as well. You think about you know the the Ravens before they had to pay Flacco, their ability to go get key veterans. And then you know what happens is when you have to pay that guy, then you lose some 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 key guys, some key veterans. You think about Anquan Bolden, you know, being lost to the team after you know pretty much helped carrying that offense, but they had to pay Flacco. I think you know Dallas 
going to have some very tough decisions coming forward you know, that, in the very near future. That's a good point. It's an interesting model with these young guys. Like Russell, we just saw him get the big contract. But early on... They tried it with Andrew Luck. It just never worked out because they never got any offensive linemen. Early on, you can have that great talent base and spend money elsewhere up until that point of the second contract. Uh, everybody talked about the Jets' first six games before the year started. Yeah. If they can get this one and you go to two and one, mm-hmm. which you think is going to be a huge task in Kansas City. It's just a, I think this is a toss-up game. This yeah. is a toss-up game. It can go either way. It's about game plan. It's about who's going to make the big plays, who's going to not have self-inflicted wounds, you know, who's not going to have penalties or the, the procedural type of things, sloppy game. And, you know, the, the Jets, you know, I think they were gassed up and they were tremendously focused on the Buffalo Bills. This is an opponent that you don't play very often. So sometimes they people can surprise you because you don't know, you don't when you play a team all the time. And I'm just looking because we still have the Buffalo Bills up on the screen. Well, you know what Larry Hughes does well, and you know how they try and use them. Well, some of the players there that's not the guys that are the the superstars or the guys that you have scouting reports on. That's when you get hurt. Like so, you can't you can't let a guy like DeAnthony Thomas come in. And you don't know what he is, and like, oh, he's their gadget guy because you don't go against him. He makes a big play to you know a big play in the game, or Chris Conley because you don't really know what he does well, and he comes in and he hurts you. You know, so those are the type of things that. So it's know. monstrous during the week to get your preparation yeah. in because on a short week against the Bills, there's some familiarity exactly. there. Exactly. You you played them a bunch. You kind of know what they're all about. Right. Now with the Kansas City team, there's a lot of newness on both sides. So the and the Chiefs are going to have to be looking at the Jets the same the way. The same way, yeah. Yep. Exactly. Okay, so uh, I want to get your thoughts on college football here. Okay. So far during the season, is it Alabama and everybody else? I don't know, man. Louisville, I think, made it. Is huge. Louisville legit? I, th- I mean, come on, man. 63 points against Florida but State. But Mike Vick saying this guy's better than him? <laughs> That's saying a lot. And the thing is, most of those guys, like Michael Vick, this dude has a cannon for an arm as well. Lamar Jackson. You know, and and once, once again, you know, love him or hate him, you know, I don't particularly care for the guy, but, you know, Bobby Petrino, man, is, went back home for the second time, and he's doing it again. He's getting it done. And, and then Clemson's in the mix. Yeah. What, do you, what do you make of uh, Harbaugh and Urban Meyer and that dynamic in the Big Ten? That, that's, well, your, that, that's, that's, a, that's something that you will pay to see. Yeah. But you can't sleep on D'Antoni, man, because he's like the dark horse in that division. You talk about Michigan State and their ability just to play great defense. You know, and they're one of these teams that's sneaky. They're always consistent. You know, they're always physically defense on the top end. I was surprised that they laid smackdown at Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame made a late run there. Yeah, that but, really didn't count. But that it was, was a thir- there was 36-7 at one point in the yeah, second and half. They, and they do a physical. So you got to watch out for those guys. You know, the, the Big Ten is getting slept on because tradi- traditionally when they played against the SEC teams or ACC teams, they couldn't keep up because they didn't have a team speed. Well, Harbaugh has brought speed to, to, to Michigan, and Urban Myers has brought that Florida philosophy to, to, to um, Ohio State. So now they're not traditionally Big Ten teams. Well, they, Ohio they State out. has so many more athletes on the field than Oklahoma. You know, and that's not a knock at, uh, on Oklahoma either. Well, they're Oklahoma, a good program. Well, Oklahoma, the thing about Oklahoma is they can't win recruiting in their state, right, because they got to compete with Texas. You know, Texas Tech gets a couple of them as well. 
you know, Alabama, uh, Texas A&M gets some now. See, like, and then Houston right. is getting people now. Exactly. Houston is a, is a sneaky team, too. Houston plays Louisville. Right. I year. can't wait. That's going to be the matchup. We were hoping that Louisville can make sure that they stayed on top so that win, whoever wins that game, it means something. You know, if Louisville if, if uh, Louisville still got to beat Clemson. They got to go to yeah, Clemson yeah, in a but, couple weeks. Yeah, but, but if, if Louisville, if they, even if they lose to Clemson, they'll still probably be a top 10 team. Yeah. So then when they make that matchup, if Houston's able to win, you know, because their schedule is pretty powder puff, you know, if they have those two signature wins, then that can propel them forward. That and would be something if Houston was in the big five, they can get into the playoffs. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. That, that would be fascinating. Uh, all right, man. Um, we're not going to put you on the spot with a prediction. You with know, who? I don't, you know, no, no. With um, Jets, Chiefs. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a tough. I said this is a 50-50 game. You got a 50-50 game. Yeah. You know, yeah. last year last week I picked the Jets because I just thought that the uh, the Bills would just didn't have enough firepower to, to keep up. I mean, Don Terry Poe really I mean um the the lack of Marshall Darius being in the lineup really hurt them because now what what happened is Chan Gailey forces you to play nickel. So now you have a light box and when you don't have a, a player like Darius in there, then now he can't take two guys. So now you can put a man on a man and now it puts tremendous pressure on the secondary because they don't have time to get there. This week, I think the Chiefs have the Ontario Pulse, so this would be a little different challenge. You know, it's a challenge that the Jets should be up for because they understand how important it is. Whenever you have a tough six games, it can define you because if you come out on a positive side on another end, everything else feels downhill. And then now you have to just make sure you don't have any lapses in judgment. You make sure that you don't have any hiccups when you go lose to a team you shouldn't lose to. Yeah, nobody in that locker room will be sleeping on the Chiefs. Todd Bowles will make sure of that. I know people at home are saying, well, this is a good matchup for the Jets. And it might be. But this Chiefs team has won seven games in a row at home. Yes, they spotted San this, Diego a big lead, but they yeah. came back. And, and they, I think people are, we were talking about something that can define you. It, yeah, and, and I also think that people taking into account too much what happened to Kansas City and Houston because, like you were talking about before we went on air, Houston Sneaky is a good, good football team, especially defensively, yeah, they brought and they can give players. a lot of people problems. Yeah, Houston, you'll see you'll see New England struggle as well because you talk about a team, J.J. Watt is getting his sea legs underneath him. He was disruptive, two sacks, a fumble recovery like he always is. Clowney's starting to come into his own. And um, Merciless is, is a great player as well. And what happens if people want to talk about the Houston defense, Houston defense hasn't given up. They're giving up averaging 12.5 points a game for the last 10 games. You know, that's a stat that is, is mind-boggling that in 10 games they haven't, they've given up an average of 12.5 points. Yeah. And, and so – so it's not who you play, it's when you play them. And you're playing them coming off a loss. They're going to be motivated because they know they can't lose two in a row, especially being in a division with the defending champs. What's the linebacker's – and this is my last one here. What's the linebacker's job when Alex Smith goes to option? Wait, if you're the outside guy, well, uh, tell me what's well, going on. Well, the good thing now is it's on film. Yeah. So now the defensive end, the outside linebacker, understands he has to slow play, slow down, and he's not the, he's not the quarterback man. He's probably the pitch man. You know, so you have to make sure that you play the game. Sometimes you take the pitch. Sometimes you take the you take the uh, you take the uh, quarterback. But you have to play the game. You have to discuss it when you get that look. You have to understand that look's going to come with an offset back to the open side. If he's not offset to the open side, you really can't run the option. So you have to understand and pay attention to the little things. And Bart's key though. Neutralize Kelsey. Yeah, man. You better stop Kelsey. If Kelsey has a great day, then it's going to open everything up for everyone else. All right, buddy. We'll see you next week. All good.